A reading from the book of Genesis. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. A reading from the book of Jeremiah. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. A reading from the book of 1 Corinthians. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Our final reading comes from the book of Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He dwells with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. God's story for God's people. Let us go to God in prayer. Startle us, O God, with the beauty and grace, the challenge and love found in your sacred word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen.
Today, we begin a journey of understanding the Bible. In seven lessons, or in roughly 100 minutes, I will be teaching through the Bible from start to finish. We will look for common ideas that can give you some orientation as you navigate this ancient, massive, sacred text. There are many ways to understand and to teach the Bible. The way that I will offer is not the only way. It is not the best way. It is a way of understanding that I have found to be the most helpful in my own ongoing education and at this stage in my personal faith. This way will not tell you everything you need to know about the Bible, but I hope that it will draw you into a desire to know more. So let's begin. Today we're going to talk about an idea, an idea that will govern our entire study of the Bible these seven Sundays, and I will map out for you this morning where we are headed. I'm going to start with a story from outside of the Bible. J.R.R. Tolkien's world-famous fantasy story, The Lord of the Rings. The epic is in many ways crafted out of Tolkien's personal faith and his deep Christian commitments. Two decades ago, it was revived through three successive movies that broke records at the box office as well as at the Oscars. Countless enthusiastic viewers dressed in costume and lined up in the middle of the night to watch premieres of this great story. And many of them were among the same countless young people who were simultaneously leaving the church or showing no interest in church in the first place. That's something for us to think about later. I wonder if you saw the movies. I wonder if you remember the opening prologue to the first one. The story begins in quiet and darkness with some low whispering in the background and a woman's voice. The words are these. The world has changed. I feel it in the water. I feel it in the earth. I smell it in the air. Much of once was was lost, for none now live who remember it. It began with the forging of the great rings. Three were given to the elves, seven to the dwarf lords, and nine, nine rings were given to the race of men who above all else desire power. For within these rings was the strength and will to govern each race. But they were all of them deceived, for another ring was made. In the land of Mordor, in the fires of Mount Doom, the Dark Lord Sauron forged in, its, in secret a master ring to control all others. And into this ring he poured his cruelty, his malice, and his will to dominate all life. One ring to rule them all. One by one the free lands of Middle-earth fell 
to the power of the ring. But some resisted. They fought for the freedom of Middle-earth. It was in this moment that Isildur, the son of the king, took up his father's sword, and Sauron, the enemy of the free peoples of Middle-earth, was defeated. That is the story. I want you to think back to your high school literature class. I want you to think about your favorite story of heroism. I want you to think about lives of real people you may know whose stories engage and inspire you with their devotion to the good of the world. I wonder if you have ever considered how they, or how you, might fit into one much greater story. A story in which we all live and move and have our being. I would describe that story this way. The world was once a good and peaceful place where people lived together in harmony, free of fear. But somewhere along the line, things went terribly wrong, and the goodness of that created world fell apart. So now, we are, a, we are on a journey, all of us together. We hope that the world can be saved, that a savior will arise among us, and that the goodness that once was might be restored. The four lessons you heard read this morning bear witness to that narrative. A good creation, a covenant made with God's people, a ritual at table in which Christ reminds us of the renewal of that covenant, a story at the very end with a vision of a new creation. John Steinbeck wrote that there is one story in the world, and only one. Humans are caught, he said, in their lives, in their thoughts, in their hungers and ambitions, in their avarice and cruelty, and in their kindness and generosity, too, in a common story, a net of good and evil. Every story is wrapped up in this one. It was not Steinbeck or Tolkien or Mother Teresa or even Jesus of Nazareth who came up with this story, though all of them have participated in it. And the Bible is one of the first and most profound places where this story of humanity and of the created world takes shape, gets told and retold among every generation. In this series of sermons on understanding the Bible, we will trace this story. It is a story of creation and brokenness and repair of that creation for a new creation. 
If you remember nothing else that I say this morning, commit this to memory, that the Bible is a story of creation, the creation of a covenant between God and humankind. The covenant gets broken and things fall apart, and God repairs the new covenant so that new creation can come to be. Creation, brokenness, repair for a new creation. Creation, brokenness, repair for a new creation. Over and over and over again, that is the story we will trace in understanding the Bible. So where are we headed? In week two, we will explore the Bible's oldest and most important story that establishes the covenant between God and God's people. You may be surprised to learn that it is not at the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, but it is found in the book of Exodus. In week three, we will go back to the beginning. And we will see how the stories of the creation of the world and the gathering together of God's people. In the book of Genesis, are preparing them for that story in Exodus that is the first and most important of the covenants. In week four, we will undertake what at first seems a huge undertaking, and it is, but our theme will help. We will look at hundreds of years and hundreds of pages of the history of the people of Israel and how their story is a constant reflection of living under the covenant as a chosen people of God. In week five, we will head in a slightly different direction and we will look at what happens when the covenant idea fails. And when this story of the world does not make sense, we will look at the wisdom literature of the Bible, which are poetic expressions of the struggle it takes to live under this covenant. In week six, we will finally enter the New Testament. If that seems strange, pick up a Bible and open it to the New Testament and hold together the parts of the Bible that are the New Testament. And see how it compares just by length to the overall story. It is not that the New Testament is unimportant or less important, but that a robust understanding of God's covenant story is what is really required to help us understand the meaning of Jesus. So in week six, we'll explore the life of Jesus as told in the four Gospels and in Acts. And in week seven, we will look at the remainder of the New Testament, which is mostly made up of letters in the early church, and we will see how the earliest Christians wrote to one another about their understanding of the covenant. I want to remind you that these sermons will not be given on seven consecutive Sundays. They will be spaced out over the course of the next two months. It is summer. You will be away for some weeks, I suspect, and so will I. But each of the seven sermons will be collected in a common place on our website, and they will be collected in a, in a podcast 
So you can keep up with the series as you like, you can catch up easily when you have missed a week, or you can listen again when you would like to, and if you feel so led, you may share the series with friends or join us on Wednesday evenings for a deeper dive as part of a Bible study. This leaves one remaining question, which I think needs comment today. Why understand the Bible? Why go to this trouble? And what help is it to understand it in the particular way I am suggesting? Well, first, in a practical sense, and for regular churchgoers, I think this is a good use of your time. Why come to worship? as often as you do, or study the Bible in your own uh, small group or on your own by yourself, only to feel like you're being asked time and time again to open the book aimlessly to Jeremiah 31 or Ecclesiastes 3 or John 15 with no point of reference as to where you are in the larger story. I hope these weeks will provide an orientation that you can turn to again and again and that knowing the whole story will help the individual parts of the Bible to make more sense. There are deeper reasons for understanding the Bible also, and not just for those of us who quickly identify as church people. Understanding the Bible as this story of a covenant means seeing the world differently. The victories and defeats, the joys and sorrows of our own small lives are taking part as part of a larger story of the redemption of the world. Our inexplicable sufferings might become a little bit more bearable when we see that others have been down this road before us and we are not alone. Our struggles to be on the side of the good, even against long odds, they deepen in their meaning. And when we see God's incredible patience and tenacity, loving the world again and again and again, no matter how many times we fail and falter, we come to see that above all else, the Bible is a story of grace, of God's unfailing love. We have never earned it, but it is still promised to us day after day after day. Not only do we find these themes in The Lord of the Rings and in Steinbeck, but in Flannery O'Connor and Maya Angelou and the tellings of our American story by the likes of Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King Jr., and the story belongs to you as well. Maybe you are a young person seeking direction, or an older person seeking for meaning, or a busy parent just trying to get through the day. Perhaps you often find that the days are long, but the years are passing by so quickly you sense the giftedness, but also the brokenness in your own life. You imagine that life was once simpler, and you wonder if such a life can be restored for you. All of these stories find their origins in the Bible. 
I hope that you will find this series to be a renewal of your love for the traditions and stories that we share and that are meant as a gift for all of us. This is our story. Embrace it. Amen.